Hey, this is the Gurdu Amazing Podcast. This is Tony Mays, and and today's guest is one I've I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time, and and uh, we've had a couple of roadblocks with me getting sick of having him on here and different. And he's a very busy man, so I'm very happy to have him on today. His name is Christian Schaff. He is the the CEO of Uncharted Supply. It is a survival and uh, preparedness and readiness company uh, based out of Park City, Utah. And but he has a has a great history and uh, uh, leading up to that company as well. And I'm very happy to have him on today. So welcome, Christian. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Sorry, it took uh, so long. No, no problem. That was my fault. We would have this done six months ago if I wouldn't have uh, gotten pneumonia. So <laughs> no at problem. least it wasn't COVID, right? So right, right. But um, so Christian and I actually hailed from the same hometown. We're from Barron, Wisconsin. Uh, his, his grandfather and my dad, uh, uh, were close to the same age and grew up within a couple miles of each other. And your great grandfather and my grandfather were actually in business together for a while, uh, way back when they had a milk calling route together back, in huh. the, back in the day, uh, M and N, uh, trucking, I believe it was called something like that. So, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great, uh, great, great grandpa, Carl. Yeah. Great grandpa, Carl. Yep. Yep. He, yeah. Uh, I mean, he died. I never met him. He, oh, you I know, didn't? I was, okay. I know I was on the way. I was born in Richland Center. My mom had moved down there sure. with my dad. And um, they were bringing me home to meet meet him. And he, he passed away, like, on the way uh, or the, the same day or something like that. But I, I've heard gotcha. so many stories of that guy. Um, yeah. It sounds like he was... He was a wild hare with a lot of ideas and, uh, <laughs> you know, he was, he's, he was quite innovative, yep. but he also like, I heard about him, you know, jumping these old scorpion snowmobiles and like coming up with half of his pipe broken off in his mouth. And, you know, I think he was, he was a wild guy. So he kind of, kind of set the stage for the family in a certain way. Too, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So uh, Christian grew up in Barron. We went to the same high school, uh, I'm a few older, few years older than you, um, uh, obviously, I guess, but uh, not obviously, but obviously, or I am, and uh, uh, got out of high school, went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. You, you started, you, you, you did graduate from there with a marketing, marketing degree, but uh, then you uh, started as a web designer, but then your, your band Catch Penny took off. You performed over 150 shows for the armed forces over in Iraq. Did you do Afghanistan as well, or mostly or all Iraq? Never, never did. I've always heard Afghanistan's a way prettier place to go to. Yeah. Right? yeah, we wanted to. We just we got into a routine in Iraq, and that's that's where it gotcha. took us. So gotcha. And you were the armed forces entertainer of the year as a band and recorded some records, but then you started to get into more of the entrepreneurship thing, uh, doing some marketing work. You started Crisp Insider, which was acquired by Miller Coors. And, and, but then you wanted to, you had an inspiration for Uncharted seeing the rat race of the LA, uh, the LA gridlock and had an idea of what would these people actually do if, if something happened. And that was kind of the genesis of Uncharted. Do I have that right? Is that kind of the... yeah? I mean, <clears throat> to take a little step back there, I I've always been interested in open spaces, and yep. you know, our band was was doing well in the U.S. But wow, there's a lot of opportunity in Iraq. There's not as many bands <laughs> doing through the Middle East, right? But um, that was a huge yeah. opportunity, and we played in front of huge crowds and sold records, and um, yeah. you know, that was a good way to grow that business if you looked at it. Sure, sure. What did you, what was the main thing you got out of that was just to keep plugging away at it or, or make sure you wear your flak jacket or something else in between there? 
with sorry, say it again. I with Catch Penny and, and that growth as a band that you had, how did you feel? Um, I guess just was there one thing you got out of that to that helped you really grow the band? Was it just kind of to keep plugging away at 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 keep gigging, keep working, keep keep seeing where else you could take the band? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I, I think the hardest thing I had with being a musician was mm-hmm. that uh, success was somewhat arbitrary. Um, yeah. I always tell people, you know, people go, why'd you quit? You guys were great. I'm like, listen, if, if I'm a hundred meter sprinter and I go to a race and I know my time and I know everybody else, yep. know that I can be in the money if I'm the fastest guy and if I execute, mm-hmm. right? Um, with, with music, it can just be totally random. You can grind yeah. for 10 years and somebody makes a song in their computer in the basement one day and becomes an overnight sensation. And that was actually really hard for me because not that I'm a hyperlinear individual, but I like to know what I have to do to get to the next <laughs> step and to keep growing. And we, you know, we, we did a lot of things, right. I mean, our band was pretty successful. We did a lot of really unique things. We, we yeah. set a precedent for a lot of bands in the Midwest that, that used our platform to do what we did. Um, you know, Chris Cruzy has been doing a lot of that. I know he's, you know, he's yep. big in the Midwest there and, um, yep. You know, I'm really proud of us figuring out innovative ways to, to grow the band when you look at it as a business. But at the end of the day, like I said, it was it was a total crapshoot. And if I was going to be honest with myself, I, you know, we were working with guys like, you know, Prince's band and the Rembrandts and Soul Asylum. I'd be around guys like John Mayer. And I just mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I wasn't I wasn't yeah. that good of a musician. You- and it was just like, well, yeah, I, I'm I, I got to find something else because I, I can't hang, you know. They're yeah. Too much, they're too good. <laughs> so what did you, your first step after Catch Penny was, was that the Crispin Cider launch? Uh, that was kind of going out at the same time. So, so yeah. okay. it's, it's a bit of a spider web, but um, when we were playing in the band, uh, I had a friend that was working at a company called Nutrisoda. It was a nutrient enhanced beverage that had just been acquired by Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out how to market to colleges. And uh, my buddy was a head of marketing there. And he's like, I'm trying to figure this out. And I said, well, my whole schedule is going to colleges. You know, why don't we have to do something <laughs> together? Yeah. My buddy didn't do a very good job managing that tour. So it, it kind of actually left our band in the lurch a few times, you know, getting to Louisville, Kentucky with no place to stay and, you know, just, just gotcha. problems. So I, I kind of yeah. rebuilt the whole thing and I went to the, the, the owner there and the founder and I just said, Hey, I, I think we can make this better. And then he said, Hey, do you want a job on the side? So he liked what mm-hmm. I was thinking. And, um, Ended up doing a little work with Nutrisoda. And then when he went and left to start Crispin, asked me to come with him and start there. So that was all kind of kind of going yeah. out at the same time. Um, the military thing just kept growing and growing. Through that, um, you know, I, I had worked, I had interned at Harley Davidson. Um, I'd done some work with, with brands like GoPro and, and kind yep. of been in the yep. action sports world. So I knew a lot of those bands. And so when these things, knew a lot of those companies rather. So when these things yeah. started kind of progressing, I was just trying to figure out how to make a make a bigger event, make it more mm-hmm. interesting. And um, I started getting these guys to get involved. So Harley Davidson was the headlining uh, sponsor of, of our BMX tours we did for a few years sure. and GoPro would donate a bunch of cameras. And, you know, Does so that we seem a little weird that and, Harley, that Harley would be a, a sponsor of a BMX tour. No, I, I, no? I actually think the integration is, is really tight. I mean, okay. Okay. I think at the end of the day, when you look at um, the type of person that's into action sports, the type of person that likes to ride sure. a motorcycle and, you know, we had this thing, Hey, two wheels is two wheels, right? Um, okay. People that ride okay. motorcycles started on bikes and yeah. Yeah. Um, Harley's an American, you know, proud American company. Yeah. And you know, there's just, there was a lot of things that made it make sense and it was really cool. And so yeah. when that kind of died down, they just, 
I was in touch with them and they, they're like, yeah. Hey, what else you got? You know, let's yeah. do more stuff. So it was just kind of a natural progression, but it was always just trying to improve what we had in front of us and, and to keep growing everything we had. Okay. Okay. Did you always kind of have the bug to have your own company eventually though? I don't think that was ever like a vision that I'd made at some point. Like I, yeah. I actually have to have my own company. I just, I think my brain works a little different than a lot of people. I find every time I was working for somebody, I, I just, uh, not that it was conflict or confrontational. I just always had different ideas on how to approach things. And I could easily be a soldier and do their thing. But mm-hmm. so many times I just saw so much opportunity out there that people didn't really want to get behind. I would end up just doing it myself. And that just kind of led me to all the things <laughs> that have happened in my life. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, you got to walk that path, right? Does Did it cause conflict at the time, though? Um, I've definitely had, uh, you know, a lot of times, I, a lot of people ask me, like, oh, hey, I want to start a business. What What do you suggest? And I, I always tell them, don't quit your job until until the other one is something you can, you know, firmly be in and have it pay the bills. Because I think a lot yeah. of people have an idea and they quit their job and then they, then they start on day one with their company and, um, you know, they're months <clears throat> away from making money. And that, yeah. that makes them push back to having to get a job somewhere else. And then that gets minimized. And, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a cascading effect of not being able to commit. So I think yeah. I've had a few times in life where um, I knew I was kind of on the way out of something. It was not interesting anymore. I was, I was trying to still do a good job there while building this. And at some point, it just it comes to a head and you have to make a decision and, and go yeah. one way or the other. So nothing yeah. I would say that was major, but um, those decision points have definitely happened a few times in yeah. my life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with Uncharted, getting it off the ground, uh, was that your first, your first thought was a survival package for someone? Was that right? Is, is trying, to, trying to build something that would help somebody in a lurch? Right? Yeah, I mean, or, the background was I, I moved to California and it was just, it was just a very type, different type of person than I was used to being around. Like I said, I've been to Iraq yeah, 40, yeah. 40 times and um, <laughs> You know, I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin and I'm around people that change their own oil and know how to dig themselves out of a, out of a snowbank and know what to do in a tornado and, you know, mm-hmm. the military aspect. And then I was yeah. in this place where everybody was kind of depending on an app to fix something. And I mean, I, it, if you haven't spent a lot of time in California, I mean, if it rains, people don't go outside. I mean, it just, it's yeah. become such a comfortable, you know, 75 degrees and sunny existence that, um, anything feels uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. so I was out in some snow one day that kind of a weird storm, two inches of snow and in the mountains behind Orange County and traffic stopped for eight hours. And it just hit me across the head that, you know, I had been thinking about having an earthquake kit out there because I just, I was thinking yeah. about taking care of myself and what I need. And I was like, wow, it's not just earthquakes. It's like literally anything can cause mm-hmm. the world to stop. And so that's kind of where the, the origin of the idea came from. And from there, um, you know, the company's just really evolved, but yeah, we started with a, a survival kit and now we offer a full line mm-hmm. of kind of adventure and, and kind of safety products. I mean, our, our tagline is products designed to make you the hero of your own story. So, yeah. you know, I yeah. think everybody's got a different story. Everybody's on a different adventure. I mean, an adventure for somebody could be driving in, in flurries for another person. It could be backflipping a dirt bike for somebody else. It could be <laughs> climbing a mountain and whatever that is, yeah. we're trying to build products that just help you safely explore and then get all the way home at the end of the night. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So with my family, we're actually traveling the country in a fifth wheel for a while, just to give our, we've got three boys, eight, six, and two, and we're just wanted to see this country and travel around. What products of yours would you recommend that we take with us? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all about preparedness and contingency planning and things like that. If this is our full-time gig. So yeah, we've done a lot of that, but yeah. I'm sure we could improve. So, yeah, you know, our, our top seller is actually a, a battery jump starter that we call the Zeus. Uh, the yep. thing will start up to an eight liter diesel. I, you know, my dad, he's got a bunch of semi trucks and tractors. He calls me all the time. Every time <laughs> start you know, the other day, they had a semi, I know they had a bulldozer then they had, they had two I saw heavy that. Duty yeah. Chevy trucks hooked up you know, with two different sets of jumper cables trying to start this thing and it wouldn't start. And then our little battery pack. Which well, it was is, a Chevy. So what do you expect? No, yeah. <laughs> I, I won't get into that. But uh, um, This little battery pack, that's pretty small. Start it right yeah. up. And, um, you know, so you think about something like a dead battery. It's, it's very interesting with, with modern vehicles, um, smaller engines, you've got auto start stop on the, on the engine itself. Hmm. Uh, you've got multiple screens, you've got USB ports, you've got smaller yeah. batteries. So what you have is smaller batteries draining faster and not getting recharged. And uh, JD Power a couple of years ago had a study come out and it was like over 40% of new vehicles have, have battery issues because of these things. So, okay. you know, you may have a new car and think oh, I'm fine. I mean, it can affect old cars. It can affect new cars. You, mm -hmm. you know, for me, I, I go hunting somewhere. I, I drive way out of cell phone range. I park my truck. I go out for four yeah. days. I come back and I left the dome light on well, now my car won't start and I'm miles from cell service. And that's yeah, a huge yeah. problem. But yeah. this little $150 device can just start the car up and head home. So, yeah. you know, that's that's such an easy one that's so tangible and people just love that experience with that product. Um, oh, beyond awesome. that, you know, our survival kits are, you know, we say survival kits or survival systems. Um, a buddy of mine once said, you know, this isn't my go bag, it's my go-to bag. Uh, he yeah. said, he's just, he's always digging at it. I mean, there's duct tape and sunscreen and a hat and gloves. And, you know, think how many times in your life you have to change a tire or, you know, something mm -hmm. breaks and you want some duct tape or you forgot sunscreen, you're going on a hike. It's just, it's just a really cohesive kit that can kind of augment your situation, whatever it is. You know, yeah. I don't recommend yeah. people have to carry the thing in their back every time they go anywhere, but if you're in an RV traveling around the country and knowing you've got kind of a complete solution there, like that's yeah. a, that's a, kind of really nice sense of security that you can you can have there so okay. yeah those would be the yeah. two for me okay yeah and i <laughs> i do know that i walk around with either a roll of duct tape or a roll of electrical tape in my hand half the time anyway so yep. yeah <laughs> there's always something needed to be fixed in one way or another but so with with uncharted as it's grown what's been the biggest change for you there have you had to adapt your skills a little bit to the company as it gets as it's gotten bigger yeah, I mean, I, I think, man, I, I know all these people that have MBAs and think they know how to run a business. And um, <laughs> I don't have an MBA. Entrepreneurship is, I think, the best education you can get. And, and if you're not willing to learn and willing to be wrong and, and willing to grow, you're not going to get anywhere. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I thought I knew what I was doing two years ago. And the person I am today versus two years ago is, is totally different. Um, it's just, it's just constant learning and constant evolving and constant mm -hmm. problem solving. So Are you question, do you, do you sit back and try to question mm -hmm. yourself as much as you question where the company's going or, or what, when you say try to evolve, what does that mean to you? Um, well, I think, I think there's always new challenges that come up. Like we just switched yeah. to our 3PL, which is our shipping and fulfillment center. And, um, you know, the logistics around that was just a complete learning experience. I mean, there are people that that's all they do, right? So uh -huh. there's a huge breadth of information around that when it comes to product development. I mean, you have to learn about the difference in zippers or sure. materials or welding processes. And yeah. um, I have people on the team now that uh, are experts in these areas, but in my position, I have to have at least some 
basic yeah. knowledge of these things to help make decisions. Um, you know, last week I met with one of our investors who's got a, a huge, you know, billion dollar company. And mm-hmm. um, I just said, Hey man, nothing's wrong. I just, I just want to meet with you and check my thinking and see yeah. what I could do better. And I think, yeah. you know, when you're a small company, you're, you're one, um, your one thing, your one advantage is speed. I really believe that. I always, when I talk to like mm. classes and maybe this is an old analogy now, but you'll get it. But I don't know if you ever had Nintendo and had ice hockey, but there was <laughs> yeah. like, there's like the three different characters, right? There's like the yep. fat guy, the medium guy and the skinny guy. And like, we're the little skinny guy. And if, if you get the mm. puck, you can stay away from everybody, but you gotta be, you gotta use your speed because those yep. big guys just touch you and you blow off. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> um, you know, I think about that a lot and I just think about like, how do we, how do we go fast and make sure that we are doing everything we can as well as we can and just stay ahead. Cause it is easy probably to grow and, and lose that nimbleness, I would guess. And, and bring in people that might not, you know, paint a good picture or they paint a good picture, but then they're not a good fit for your culture or something like that. It's, it's very easy to get complacent, you know, and yeah. it's very easy to just kind of go through the motions and um, you have to be pushing ahead. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like, um, I don't know, you ta- we were just talking about Tom Brady before this call. I mean, sure. you know, he's, he's kind of redefining what's possible, right? He's mm-hmm. looking for answers. He's figuring things out. He's doing things different. And um, I am a Packers fan, by the way, but you can't, oh, you can't disrespect, uh, <laughs> you can't disrespect like a guy that has found a level of success, yeah. a big level of success, but continues to evolve and try to find ways to be better. And I just yep. think that's such a great kind of, uh, you know, personality to, to look at and kind of mimic as you're doing something like this. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Here's my barren story for the, for the call is back in the seventies when I grew up, uh, I'm actually a Vikings fan, even though I'm from Barron, but back in the seventies, the only TV stations we could get, we lived on the country and didn't have cable. So the only ones we could really get consistently were out of the twin cities and right. plus in the seventies was the, was the Bart star era and all that stuff. So the Packers stunk and the Vikings were good. And so that's where that came from anyway, but gotcha. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's been a tough, uh, tough few years though <laughs> that's for sure but. <laughs> but my dad used to go and watch i think it was like late 60s uh, when bart Starr was there i mean they won two super bowls then but there yep. was definitely a dark period for the packers after that um yeah well when he was coach yeah back in the 70s <clears throat> oh coaching and, yeah, gotcha yeah, yeah it's yep. coaching gotcha yep yep um so who would you say do you do you have other mentors you talk to and besides besides your investor i mean do you have do you have guys that you go to or guys that you look up to in the business yeah, gosh, I'm just trying to think. Um, I, I don't think I have like one well that I go to. I'm just always trying to glean information. I, I do think that everybody's probably got a skill set there. Yeah. Exceptional okay. at where they fall off in other places. And so I try to grab bits, bits from everybody. I mean, yeah. you know, I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot. I think there's a lot there around, yeah, around awesome. comfort, comfort zones and, and just, just thinking how you think about things. And I, you know, I've got guys here that have, have built big businesses that I lean on. I have a, a friend mm-hmm. who is the uh, head of YouTube North America, and she she's a expert when it comes to partnerships and content strategy. And so I, I talked to her about that. So, you yeah. know, I think it kind of gets to a point where, you know, uh, my buddy started Black Diamond, which is a big outdoor gear company, and he's, he's an advisor for us. And uh, I meet with him and pick his brain. So, you know, I think there's awesome. a Rolodex that you slowly acquire. And, and when a problem comes up, you go, who do I know that, you know, would mm-hmm. have a good perspective on that? Or how many people do I know? And and it's my responsibility to gather what I can and, and uh, make the best decisions we can here. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. think, I think staying wide and getting a lot of opinions, a lot of smart opinions um, is important. Be, I, I always, 
And hum- humility has got to be part of that too, I would guess, to not be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, I mean, totally. You, you yeah. can't get too big of a head. There's always a bigger fish. And I mean, <laughs> I, we're growing fast. We could also die tomorrow. I mean, that's the reality of, of any business. You just never know yeah. what's going to happen. Um, I, I, I tell people too, I'm like, just because somebody's successful doesn't mean they have all the answers. I just, I just look at it like a, like a baseball player. And, um, you know, you step into a pitching box and you see a hundred mile an hour fastball. And the first time you see it, there's just no chance, right? Yeah. You're just going to, you're not even going to react. But by the time you've seen a hundred or 200 of them, yeah. you've got a pretty good idea of what's coming and you may not always hit a home run, but, but your odds are better than somebody that has. I think that's how you look at like people that have been in the game for a long time, right? They just, they've seen more, they've experienced more and they can, they can give you perspective that you don't have. Yeah. I was talking with uh, Brian Littlefield of origin uh, USA a few days or a couple of weeks ago. And he said some of his worst days were when they would have his, they, they were a direct to consumer uh, for the most, I mean, they still are for the most part, but uh, his, some of his worst days would be when they had a $0 day in sales. Can you kind of relate to that type of feeling? Um, yeah, it's probably I mean, been a while, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's been a while. I remember one day early on when we were really selling and all of a sudden we were doing like a, a Indiegogo campaign. We just started. And I remember, yeah. you know, every morning I'd wake up and have, have a bunch of money and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and then yeah, kind of was whittling down and come up and down, up and down. And then it got, I remember one day it was like nothing today. And I remember my buddy who, my buddy, Mike, who went on Shark Tank with me, he's like, dude nothing today. Is it over? And I'm like, no, it's not over. It's just, <laughs> I think, I think you learn the longer you're in this to not, to not day trade. Um, yeah. And you know, there's a lot of times where we will, we will change ad buying teams or we'll shift and put a new ad campaign out or whatever's happening. There, there might be yeah. some huge thing going on in the world and people's attention is elsewhere. And um, you know, you have to start looking at it from a macro perspective and not, not micro because um, you're going to have, you're going to have bad days. And if, if, you know, if you're super fearful of that, or that puts you in some kind of state of, of, of shock or being frozen, it's, that's, you're not in the right business. Um, this is not for the faint of heart, you know, and you need to, you need to be able to just roll with it and go, okay, well, tomorrow's going to be better. And the next day will be better after that. And keep going. Is that where those 430 runs help you is, Mm. is to let out a lot of that stress and things like that? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I was telling you before and everybody, everybody always thinks I'm on vacation out here if they follow my (laughs) social media, but I, I haven't taken one in a few years and um, I just, Park City is amazing for that. I I call them micro vacations and, um, you know, doesn't matter the season. It's always gorgeous here and, and um, you know, getting outside and I, I'm, I'm a terrible runner, but running has really helped me just, um, I don't know, you were doing not, six I'm you were doing things. six minute miles the other day. You know, that's not that <laughs> well, bad. So I work I work at it, but I um, yeah. you know, it's not natural for me. I'm I'm a yeah. two hundred pound dude and uh you know running. So you were not a cross country not... runner in high school then I take it. Oh heck no. No, no, no. no. I'm <laughs> no, I mean running is I really got into it because it's the fastest way. But you've done it, you you qual- did you qualify for Kona in Ironman? No, no, I've done I've done oh, several okay. half Ironmans and you know, some kind of longer distance ones. And um, I got into that when I was in California because the people yeah. I was hanging out with and I dated a girl that was a professional triathlete. And, um, you know, I, you get like, listen, triathlon is, is all about the time you put in and, and yeah. you put in enough time, you get faster. And that's, that's yeah. what's really kind of rewarding and, and um, addictive about that sport. But for me these days, um, I spend a lot of time in nature. I, 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 but I've always got my phone with me because I'm always taking notes. Um, I just find that, I'm not good in a yoga studio. I'm not good meditating, but if I can be out <laughs> move, like kind of active meditation and moving around and thinking about things, yeah, things are not themselves. And I, 
I get a lot of creativity in those spaces. So that's, I think that's as critical um, to building a business as, as sitting at a desk, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I saw one of your latest product innovations with your dog came out of a real life scenario <laughs> that a lot of people followed last year. Your dog accidentally, a skier came by, clipped him, cut a, cut a vein on his leg and, and he would have yeah, we, we um, ski tour a lot in the winter. So the resorts are just getting full uh, yeah. out here. And so I usually, you know, put a headlamp on in the mornings and we have these skins we put on our skis, which is kind of like hair that, that lays one way. Um, and I have these touring bindings, my heel comes lifts out. So you can just kind of like snowshoes, you can walk up the hill with your skis and then you transition them awesome. and you can ski down. So we do that almost every morning in the winter, I'd say five days a week. And my dog's with me 99% of the time. Um, nothing ever happens. And this one time I took some buddies out. So, you know, a lot of people are like, why is your dog in the ski resort? We're, we're not in the ski resort. We're way in the back country where yeah. there's nobody around. Um, it's usually very safe. Uh, and yeah, buddy of mine just came over a roller and, and, and didn't see my dog and bumped into him and sliced his leg. And um, fortunately I had, <laughs> I hate to say this, my friends were all from California. And so I brought extra first aid gear and supplies because <laughs> they just had never done this never before know. and yeah. were inexperienced. And I kind of figured I'd have to fix them. Um, yeah. What happened was, you know, Baron took a pretty bad hit and we were able to get him down. And um, the vet came out and said, man, you had, you had minutes to spare. And I yeah. fortunately had some of our products with that saved him, but it put me down a path of gosh, what a, you know, what happens to those people that have their dogs everywhere and aren't as prepared as I am. I mean, this is my business. So yeah. I'm yeah. overprepared. And, do, you, uh, yeah, do you carry so we, Do you carry a tourniquet twenty four seven? Like some not guys, twenty four seven. I mean, well, I have one in my truck. Yeah. Um, yeah if I if yeah. I'm really going out, if you're in the back yes. country, yeah, you'll have one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not walking around with cargo pants with like you know pockets <laughs> full or anything like that. But um, I I would say I'm pretty prepared. I my truck these days has um one of these decked systems in the back, the drawers and yeah, I love your um, truck. By I, the way, I've but, got everything. Yeah. Thanks. Everything is. <laughs> You know, if, if a mushroom cloud pops up, I'm, I'm good for a long time in that thing. So, um, yeah. well, um, you know, I just, I just, but again, this is my job and I, uh-huh. I, I do, if I'm going to be honest, feel like I can't ever be caught, uh, with my pants down anywhere. <laughs> you know, if, if somebody needs my help and I don't have the right stuff, I don't think that's good for the brands. So yeah. You know, Cause the next day it. it'll be on social media. Hey, yeah. Christian, you got the, something to help me change my tire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, but it's, it also, you know, I got, I got really stuck last winter. I was out, um, looking at some land and, uh, to make a long story short, I, I went a little too far with my truck. Um, and then I tried to load my snowmobile and then my skid plates caught on the bottom and my, my wheels lost traction. And I, I had to dig for seven hours to get out. And, um, by yourself you know, I still, in the back. Yeah. 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 And all I had is my little avalanche shovel on my snowmobile. And I, you know, it's one of my friends was like, I said, they were making fun of me and I said, Hey, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. And they were like, you mess with the bull a lot, you know? And I just yeah. think like that helps inform what we're doing as a brand. I mean, authenticity is a huge thing. And I think that if you're not out there testing things and pushing yourself and figuring out what you need, I mean, that, that day taught me a lot. And I yeah. thought I was pretty good at digging out of ditches and, this was a very unique situation without going too in depth, but, um, yeah. you know, so I, I, you know, I, that's just, that's how I choose to live and I, I enjoy it. It's kind of yeah. a combination of fun and business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where do you see, where do you kind of see Uncharted going in the next few years? I mean, are you going to keep expanding? I see you're in Shields now. You, uh, what other stores have you, have you brought it into? 
by by February, we'll be in about 250 stores around the country. So Shields, Bass Pro, Cabela's, Sportsman's. We're very close to some other retailers, um, big box stuff that Mm -hmm. I won't name them yet. I don't want to jinx us, but um, some, you know, sports, sporting goods stores, some all sorts of stuff. So that's growing. DTC is still growing. We're building our own store in Park City right now, which is going to open November 1st. Um, Where I see us going, I I always say I want to have a company that's the verb, you know, so... Uh, you know, you think of rollerblade or you think of Google something or mm-hmm. you think of Kleenex isn't exactly a verb, but when you can become, you can become the name of what you're trying to do. Uh, that's always the goal here. And I do think we are, we are the leaders in this space. There's a lot of copycats now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I think as the, as the mindset of Americans changes with more and more uncertainty happening, that mm-hmm. there's a gap in the marketplace that we're filling. And I just think the demand is going to keep increasing. And as long as we focus on making high quality stuff and, and good content and, and being a approachable brand that people trust, there's a, there's a huge opportunity for us. As far as the high quality stuff, have the big box retailers, <clears throat> I mean, your, your, your stuff is so well-made. I haven't, you know, I do, I, the zoo sounds exactly like what I was looking at. Um, mm-hmm. But the price point can scare people off sometimes. I mean, there's that quality, you get what you pay for kind of thing with a lot of that. And I can't wait to see the store. We're going to be out that way next summer. So, um, and I've seen some of it in Shields, but the, do the big box retailers have, do they ever bring up, well, maybe you could just make something a little bit less for us so that we can put it at a different price point, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I think um, every brand has a space they play in, right? I mean, if you want to think about just outdoor jackets, you can probably buy one for 20 bucks or 700 Mm -hmm. bucks. You know, Um, I tried to pick a, when I started this company, I, I, first of all, if you're telling people it's going to save their life, that's to save their life. So there's that threshold, right? Yeah. And then there becomes this argument of, you know, you get these guys who's like, Oh, I have a better knife than that. Well, of course you do. But the knife was $300. You know, I mean, you want to make a price point that's, that's accessible. I mean, my goal was to make the world a safer place. And the way you do that is through scale and you make something that everybody can have. I mean, you think about how the iPhone changed communication for, Mm -hmm. for the world. And if the iPhone was $5,000 that probably wouldn't have been adopted as fast and had such a big reach. So there is kind of a a sweet spot you have to find. Um, Yeah. We face problems with uh, margins at times Mm -hmm. with, with um, well, this, this, these guys are hundred bucks cheaper and it's, you know, it's absolute garbage compared to what we're doing, but that's what brand building is about. You want people to be able to go to your website and go, Oh, I can totally see why this is more money. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're going to, if you're going to look at a, I don't want to offend anybody by naming a car out here, but if you're going to look at a Toyota Corolla <laughs> versus a, a, a Ferrari, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can argue what the right car is for you, but I don't think you can argue the Ferrari is a better vehicle and it's just higher quality stuff and the performance yeah. and everything else. And I'm not saying we're Ferrari, but yeah, you know, exactly. Um, I get it. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And you can, and if you frame your marketing, there's a lot of ways probably to frame that, but just emphasizing, you know, you can tell from the pictures, the quality of the materials, the zippers, the, yeah. you know, what's going in it, that kind of thing. And, and so I can see that definitely. Yeah. Do you, are you a big book reader at all? Do you read at all? Or do you have time to read? Um, I'm a big audio book guy. So okay. I do, I do consume a lot of books, but it's, again, I go back to the running and the hiking and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, most times if I'm going to put two hours into the trails or whatever it is, I'm, 
knocking 10 or 12 chapters out of a book. So do you feel that's that, that, that really lets you unplug if you've got an audio book going and you're off on the trail at the same time or it, it does, um, yeah. you okay. know, from, and I know everybody's different, but for me, I will find a lot of times, um, you know, they say sometimes like when you stop trying to remember somebody's name, then you remember it. I, you yeah. know, like I, I have that when I'm really trying to solve something, sometimes I don't have it. So I'll put a podcast on and my mind will, will go there and then sure. it'll, or a book and it'll just wander. Yeah. And I, I will find that I haven't been listening to the podcast for 15 minutes. <laughs> There's something trance, trance-like of having that conversation going on uh, exactly. with the breathing and the running that um, mm. my brain will just go to solving problems. So I, I know everybody's different. I've just found that works for me. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of times I have to go back a couple chapters in a book and re-listen, but um, I'm getting benefits all the way around, you know? So I know I've, I just read a book that talks about like the real, the real benefits of nature come when you're totally unplugged and you're not listening to, um, you know, not listening to a podcast or something. I, I have those moments too, you know, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm hunting or something like that, I have yeah. headphones in, but um, yeah. uh, no, I mean, that's, that's just the program I'm on right now. And I'm always trying different things, but that, that works pretty well. How did it feel to get your elk on the last day, last afternoon of the season, <laughs> like right before that, dark? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're up on things. Um, that I try to be. Yeah. That was, um, that's something was that the I've first actually, elk you, is that the first one you've gotten? It, the first one I've, I've shot. Yes. And I, you yeah. know, I've, I've hunted uh, moose and grizzly bears and, um, mm. and kind of all sorts of stuff, but elk for whatever reason have always been special to me. And, you know, you can, you can pay 10 grand and go out to a, a ranch somewhere and somebody can put you on them. You can shoot them. Um, oh, yeah. and I just, I just absolutely wanted to, to, to learn and to do this like completely natural. So I, you know, by myself an over the counter tag, um, as many odds stacked against me as I could. And it took me three years, you know, the last two years I've hunted pretty hard and never really, never really got the shot I wanted. And, and this mm-hmm. year it just felt different all year. I, I I've been figuring things out and actually in the last few days of the season, I tried some new techniques that really paid off and new techniques hold, where with your stalking or, 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 I mean, yeah, I won't turn yeah. this into an elk hunting podcast, but um, <laughs> uh, I will tell That's you right. this. I, I generally with hunting, you, you want to be really quiet, right? Yeah. And um, with elk, there's a lot of calling. And I was just learning that the elk were always coming into my calls. They'd always stop about a hundred feet out. So if you're ever hunting with somebody, with a guide, they'll stay a hundred feet behind you and make the calls because the elk uh, naturally okay. will come into about a hundred yards. Yep. And then that last hundred or hundred feet, I mean, in the last hundred feet, they will take an hour to cover because they're so, so cautious. Hmm. And that's really hard when you're by yourself. Right. Because, yeah. Yeah. um, and then, so basically the technique I learned was, I just got noisier. I just, I walked through the woods trying to, I'd blow a cow call. I would try to sound more like elk as I was moving Mm -hmm. through the woods, because if they hear a call and then they don't hear any footsteps or anything else, I think that they tend to think, well, maybe there's some danger that those elk are, if they believe you're an elk and then you're quiet, they're like, well, I better be quiet too. Right. So I started just making more noise and breaking sticks and calling and, you know, making sure I was looking through my binoculars out enough that they couldn't see me ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, uh, that was a big, a big pivot for me because I was just able to close the gap and, you know, with a bow, uh, people argue an ethical shot is, um, yeah. you know, anything over 50 yards, you start taking wind and animal, mo- animal movement and everything else into consideration, it gets a little dicey. So, um, yeah. you know, you gotta be pretty darn close. And, um, that, that was really a, 
that's one of my, I, I have not bow hunted. That's one of my, my goal things to do definitely is, is to, it's a little hard. I, I keep thinking about buying a bow while we're on the road, but trying to find somewhere to shoot it is the hard part. So. It's absolutely <laughs> life-changing and shooting a bow yeah. is almost like meditation. I mean, your breath and your heartbeat and mm-hmm. it's not like shooting a gun where you have a big bang. It's just, it's a very quiet yeah. thing. Now, and, did um, you grow up deer hunting in Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah. I was going to say deer was, hunting. If you go through the woods, making a bunch of noise and stuff like that, all you're going to see is tails running away from you. Right, and that's, so. <laughs> that's where my education came from. Right. So that's why yeah. I had to learn how to, how to speak elk a little more, but you know, yeah. deer hunting for me was a lot of walking through the cornfields towards my dad or my grandpa um, or <laughs> being or the driver. Tree stand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting at a tree stand, which wasn't, I like to be active. So um, yeah. I've just gotten into it a lot more since being out here. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. They're, yeah. they're, they are reseeding. I mean, there are two elk herds in Wisconsin now, and they do have an, a lottery for licenses. And I actually did put in for one a couple of years ago, cool. but but they're just not putting a lot of licenses out. And I think that's where the wolf hunt is coming from, is that the wolves are pulling down a lot of the, the, the young elk and keeping oh. the herd from growing quite as quickly. Do you see a lot of that out there as well? Wolves are a very hot button topic. Um, not so much here <laughs> in Park City, but... Yeah. You get Colorado, into Montana, Wyoming, yeah. Colorado. It's it's a big thing. I, I you know I did a lot of research on grizzly bears before I went out to the Arctic Circle last year hunting, and um, not that they're exactly the same animal, but they're both somewhat apex predators. And mm-hmm. when you look at at how many calves like a grizzly bear will eat in a season, I mean it was like I can't remember. It was like it was like a, a moose calf, a dozen, or, yeah, yeah, like a yeah. dozen a week. This one bear wow. was eating, or like twenty a week. It was some crazy number, and then yeah. you multiply that times the tens of thousands of bears up there. And it's kind of the same thing with wolves. They are very mm-hmm. efficient hunters, and those calves mm-hmm. don't stand a chance. So, you know, I, yeah. I totally believe in like a balanced ecosystem. But these people that think wolves should just not be hunted and just let them sparrow, you know, and just grow and grow, I. I think Mm -hmm. you're going to see major repercussions uh, in the entire ecosystem because you start taking out the elk herds and the deer herds and the caribou herds and whatever else Mm -hmm. Um, that changes vegetation that changes. It just, it's a, it's a slippery slope of things. So yeah, there needs to obviously be some management to the herd, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a lot of what hunters are for as well. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's why tags are limited and, you know, in certain zones and that's the DNR and DWR's job is to, 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 kind of get a read on how many animals are out there and what the right balance is uh, yeah. people who don't I'm understand to, that i think are missing it missing the point yeah not trying to turn this into a hunting obsession uh but what is your what do you, what would your next dream hunt be <laughs> I, would, I would elk hunt every day if i could that's my <laughs> that's that's my favorite man being in, the, being in the woods during the rut with elk is like is just for me as good as it gets um you know uh I really like the extreme stuff. I'm planning to do a, a pretty aggressive sheep hunt with the guy that I was okay. grizzly hunting with last year. Um, Back you know, up in Alaska, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's basically mountain climbing with a mm. rifle. Um, you're wearing okay. crampons and you sometimes you're in a rope and everything. So wow. um, that one, I, I got to I gotta be honest, I, I'm just more into like the elk and the moose and that kind of a thing. But mm. did you get a grizzly? Did you get a grizzly when you were up there? Yeah, I did. I, I didn't. I didn't post much of it. You know, you see what happens with the Cecil the Lion guy and all that. And I, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, seen you get a smart. couple interesting comments about, "Oh, you're killing the nice, pretty elk and things like that," yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a perspective, yeah. and everybody's entitled to theirs, but they're not going to change my mind. But it yeah. doesn't mean you have to like bring on unwelcome, unwelcome uh, yeah. hate, especially when you're building a company. So I, you know, I was kind of 
more quiet about that. I mean, there's, there's stories I've written out there for the rifle company I work with and whatnot, but um, sure. yeah, we, we actually were, we were in Alaska and it was getting towards the end of the hunt. I had a moose caribou uh, wolf and grizzly tag. And I was really, I really wanted to shoot. Awesome. Caribou. That was my goal. Yeah. And they just, they just weren't there. They're very transient yeah. animals. They're either there, they're not. Um, mm -hmm. And we had been charged by a, a sow and two cubs uh, this day, like up to, like the thing charged me, got to about 20 feet away and um, put a round into the ground and turned her away. But um, a couple hours later, this huge male walks out and I just decided before it's his decision, I'm going to take the shot. You know, yeah. uh, that was a pretty scary situation. And what I'm thankful they can, I had. Yeah, they can run way faster than you can. So <laughs> um, that's everybody goes, you know, tell me about that. I'm like, the one thing that uh, will always stick out in my mind is how that grizzly and their two her two cubs were we were watching them from a half a mile away and then the thing was 20 feet away i mean it just yeah. happens so fast they can they're faster than quarter horses um mm. and they're more agile so when you think about something like that just suddenly coming at you it it's seconds you mm -hmm. know where things can change so um you know you should you should talk to who's a jack Carr that uh he i think he works he's got part owner of a hunting company in Hawaii. You could go do some access deer hunting in Hawaii or something like Jack's, that. Jack's a good buddy of mine. Yeah. We yeah. live right okay. next to each other. Um, oh, awesome. Awesome. And he actually has a Swiss mountain dog as well. A, a female. We were, <laughs> we were going to breed him and then she ate some socks and they took her in to get the socks pulled out of her stomach and had her fixed, oh, which I'm, man. I'm still bummed about. That was our next, <laughs> next uncharted product. But uh, um, no, Jack's a, Jack's a cool guy in town here. And um, yeah. he's, He's in this place where he gets to get, he gets invited on all sorts of crazy hunts, but um, uh, I can imagine. Yeah. I've done, I've yep. done access deer hunting down in Texas. Um, oh, you have? Lanai, okay. yeah. Lanai would be a fun place to go. And I'm actually the last week I've been working on a project with a, a bow company and Garmin, which I work with on doing okay. a, a content piece around doing a hunt out there. So that would be, that would be pretty cool. Man, be really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Don't tell my dad it's... he'll force his way into that somehow. So. <laughs> <laughs> Has your dad gone elk hunting at all? Oh yeah. My dad's had yeah. a big, big elk a couple of years ago um okay we, we were on some private land um so it's it's a little easier there's just less pressure but we were able to call yeah. in a, a really a really big bull just huge and um, yeah. so that was fun that was amazing yeah okay cool and it's and it's awesome seeing uh the time you get with your dad you know even though you're living in utah and he's back in wisconsin and things like that you know just and that's what i've really tried to do with my parents is is make the most of that time you get because you never know when things are going to change and my dad is about the age of your grandpa and okay. fortunately my dad's health is better now um but that's i would imagine what your grandpa just passed a couple few months ago and i'm sorry to hear that but yeah um what's you know I, i've seen it in quotes before but is if you could give one lesson your grandpa taught you what what would that be oh gosh um or is it more than one that's okay too <laughs> you know grandpa was was a big <laughs> big force in my life um yeah. he's a guy that was just you know, I think, I think, um, how much he cared about people was like the one thing I remember. And the one thing I learned mm -hmm. really at his funeral, it's just, um, yeah. I, you know, there were people coming up, there's one guy came up to me and I don't even know his name still, but, uh, my grandpa had run into him somewhere and this guy was a, a veteran and he was struggling with something. And I think he'd just come back from serving overseas and like had to leave his dog behind and was just mm -hmm. having a hard time with that. Yeah. And, um, he said, he said, you know, I talked to your grandpa and by the time I got home, I had a voice, uh, a message on my record, you know, answering machine from, mm -hmm. from Larry Jerome saying he had a dog for me. 
Oh um, man. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. Um, it just didn't matter who you were. Grandpa, he always got this little book in his chest pocket with everyone's name and their kid's name mm-hmm. and their birthdays. And um, gosh, he just, it was incredible. He had a photographic memory, so he could, he could remember things too, but um, just amazing how um, sincere he was about just trying to make the world a better place and, and helping mm-hmm. people. And um, that was amazing. You know, I learned a lot yeah. from him. That was one of yeah. those things where I'm like, man, if I could do half that, that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never got to know him at all for some reason. I mean, I I moved away from Barron when I went to college and then didn't really come back until probably about 10 years ago. So Mm -hmm. at least not on more than a Christmas or holiday type occasion type thing, unfortunately. So, but uh, I have a lot of friends that knew him as well. So uh, he definitely made a big impression on the community. Yeah. I think he was, I think he was grandpa to a lot of people. (laughs) Um, I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, where do you see yourself in a few years? I mean, do you, do you think you'll, you'll, maybe that's not a great question to ask either because as well, a CEO, I like, yeah. I, don't I can know. answer that. I mean, yeah, I think with every company, um, there's a growth trajectory and yeah. there's a maturation and, you know, you have companies that, that come and go and you have companies that come and stay and you have companies that, you know, go up and down and left and right. Um, you know, my goal really is to, try to make the world a better place. Um, if we achieve that, obviously that means we've sold a lot of product and yeah. we've yeah. sold a lot of product Then I'm, then I get to go do more, <laughs> more like helicopter ski trips and stuff. So sure. yeah, I, exactly. You know, I, yeah. I, we, we talk to potential investors all the time. We have current investors and, and um, they always ask the same questions because when they're investing, they want to know what the path is as well. And I, yeah. you know, I, I'm in no rush to go anywhere else. I think this is a really good fit for who I am and what I want to do in the world. I don't have anything else that I'm itching to go try awesome. next. I think we have a lot of runway to build this. And, you know, at some point that might mean, uh, you know, bringing in a bigger partner or selling off a certain amount so that we have more uh, resources yeah. to be able to scale. But for now, like, you know, I, I think we're going to be building this thing for a while. And I think we have a, we have a lot of opportunity ahead of us, which is exciting. Awesome. Yeah, and I finally—I think I finally remember my question from about a half an hour. The all the supply chain issues today—is that hurt you guys in, in any we, big way? Um, we kind of anticipated something like this happening. We ordered pretty heavily at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year, so we're sitting really well on on current inventory. The problem we're facing right now is we've launched some new products, um, and we're you know a hip pack, a, a different first aid kit, the dog collar. That yep. um, there's a lot of demand around, and we just don't have them in yet. So yeah. I think that's where we're going to see some corrections to our forecasts, and you know, yeah. try to try to overcome those obstacles. We're we're working through it. I'm not really ready to throw the the towel on them yet, but um, you know, <laughs> we're, it's, hard, we're it's not, probably like, hard to pivot too, right? I mean, if you want to try to airship stuff over, then you got the cost of that versus container, and and how do you eat yeah. that cost and still maintain margins? I would guess there, there's a balance between margins and top line and building your brand and yeah. And all of it. So we, we have these discussions. I can see Christian tiptoeing through the tulips, trying to trying to manage all of that, right? <laughs> a lot of time in the woods, just thinking. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Um, you get you got back to Barron uh, a few months ago before your grandfather passed to be inducted into the high school hall of fame. Um, yeah. How did that or wall of honor? I guess maybe is the right term for it. But what did that mean to you? You know. It, when they called me and said that I, I got a letter actually from Chad bus, the principal saying, Hey, you've been, uh, you're going to be in the wall of fame. And I, I mean, honestly, this isn't, this isn't lip service. My first response was like, for what, you know, yeah. like I, I, I don't ever look at myself as like 
having made it in any capacity. I, I always feel like, like the young kid at the table, like trying to prove that I belong mm-hmm. and trying to build something. And I really do feel like that every day. It's, it's weird now saying that being over 40, but. Um, <laughs> well, you said, uh, you, know, you said you had a tough time in high school and I can kind of relate to that. I, was, I felt similar. Do you think it kind of goes back to that a little bit of. of... Yeah. You, well, you know, when they, they asked me to come speak and my message was, you know, whether high school is just a breeze for you or it's the, the hardest thing you've ever had to do. Um, don't, don't miss the fact that this is a learning experience and it's, it's teaching you something for the future. I, I wouldn't be who I was today if I didn't have that experience back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, I, it's funny, my mom years past, I remember telling me like, you just, you got a chip on your shoulder, you know? And, and then I remember being on Shark Tank and hearing Robert Herzevec saying, you know, people always tell me I have a chip on my shoulder. And he's like, I've used that to build what I am today. And I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't think a chip on the shoulder is necessarily a bad thing as long as you're not spiteful and, and angry, you know, but yeah. you can take that as, yeah. as motivation. And I, you know, there's a, there was a lot of um, moments in high school that were really, really tough for me. And mm-hmm. there were students and teachers that were just not kind for no reason. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe I was oversensitive or, or what not, I don't know, but yeah. it shaped me, you know, it yeah. makes me think about how I treat other people and it makes me want to prove people wrong that you yeah. know, didn't believe in me. And I don't think those are bad things. I think that's, you need a little fire. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so like it was, it was an honor to go back and to get that award. I, I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel like I've, I don't know what the, the, the criteria um, or whatever. Cri- yeah, exactly. The criteria <laughs> is because I, I'm like, give me five years. Not really. Early. Yeah. Like I, I feel like we're just getting started, but um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty special. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Speaking of your mom, I was trying to get a hold of her uh, and was unsuccessful, unfortunately. But uh, Norm Yamada said that he he had an awesome time doing sound for you guys overseas, and he was one of my inspirational teachers in high school. Um, kind of my refuge was was music as well, uh, yeah. and uh, so it was just you know hearing a couple stories from him about doing the sound thing with you and, and, you know, going in and out of, uh, all these other, all these bases and things like that, um, was, you know, for him was one of his highlights. So yeah, he just cool. wanted to make sure I pass, pass that on to you and everything as well. No, but, I know he had a, he's a, he's a kind of a train and an airplane nut. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. so for him to get to ride in Ospreys <laughs> and C-130s, I think was, was, was pretty cool. But, um, you know, like, listen, I, I said this at, when I did the high school, when I came back and spoke at the high school, you know, there's a lot of teachers go way above and beyond. I mean, there's some yeah. real jerk teachers um, yeah. and we've all had them, but you know, Norm, Norm did a jazz band over lunch, you know, he gave up uh-huh. his lunch, you know, to do that and did lessons over lunch. And, you know, Mr. Colby would come in and meet with you before class and help you figure out the math stuff you couldn't figure out. And um, yep. those guys aren't getting paid any extra for that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, that's just them doing it because they care. And I think that, uh, that's so important to acknowledge and to be thankful for. And I'm, I'm glad that we could return the favor a little bit for Norm yeah. and awesome. have, have a fun trip. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I will let you, I know you're a busy guy. I think we'll, we can probably wrap it up here and I, I really appreciate the time you made and I hope to get out there to see that store and, and uh, yeah. maybe I'll be in shape to do a run or something like that. I don't think I'm doing <laughs> six minute miles at this point, but uh, I'm working the, on the it. The thing so. people don't realize out here is the, I mean, my house is at seven in the altitude. Feet. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> man, that'll make your ears pound like nothing else on earth. Um, so I did, I did, 10 years ago, I, I saw, I, sorry, I haven't been like stalking your Instagram feed or anything like that, but I, uh, Rennie <laughs> is one of your, 
yeah. Oh, yeah. Randy's one of your friends. Yeah. 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 Um, I was out in um, Boulder for, it was for the half Ironman out there. It was 10 years ago. Wow. Was it really 10, 11 years ago? Yeah. 11 years ago was in 2010. And my coach was a guy named Jared Berg. Um, he actually, he might've been one of, or he used to swim with Rennie at, at her swim club and stuff like that. I don't know if he okay. ever coached her or not, but he was a pro triathlete and then turned into a coach and, and just the altitude difference for me, he told us, you know, you should only get here a couple of days before the race. So you, Cause then your body won't think it has to acclimate to it and you won't. Right. But yep. the way our schedules work, we had to get out there a week early and I was able to get some training in and we did a climb from Boulder up to the top of, I can't remember the name of the mountain exactly there, but left-hand Canyon. Yeah. Left-hand Canyon. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yep, yeah. <laughs> I've died and up that So I'm on my tri bike and we're climbing 16 miles and of straight climbing. And I think yep. you do 3000 feet, the first 15. And then the last mile is a thousand feet of climbing. And, and gnarly. I was on my tri bike. My coach was on a single speed, 10 speed, the whole way we're going up there and he's you know going back and forth he's talking and i'm like dying and so yeah i get to what you say about altitude but i actually uh, the last yeah. the last time i did left hand canyon i went out for uh rennie's baby shower actually okay and yeah. that was a pretty good party that night um <laughs> we all woke up kind of like you know on the couch with all of our shoes on and everything and um tim her husband who <laughs> tim by the way is you yeah. know he was second in the world last time yep. he had kona two years ago now i mean he's Rennie's phenomenal. incredible, but I mean, you know, Tim's a male version of that and yeah. men are generally significantly faster and Tim, yep. Tim and Greg Bennett, who is another kind of legendary. The Australian, Australian. Yes. Or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So those two and one other guy and myself went for a bike ride, just <laughs> totally hung over. And I have this, I have this picture of me up top, um, like holding two glass Coca-Colas. Yep. just like looking destroyed and them both with thumbs up behind yeah. me just laughing yep. you know, for them, it was like it was like all stuff an easy ride after this party and for me yeah. it was like the hardest thing i'd ever done um mm -hmm. the one the other kid actually got pneumonia from that ride he got he got sick and he was in bed for two weeks after that ride so oh um, my gosh yeah i, I mean I, the, I, the fun part is the other side of that where you get to do 25 miles coming down at a oh yeah at, yeah. A, at a constant you know 20 40 30 40 miles an hour or something like that that was awesome but getting up there was not a whole lot of fun <laughs> no that um you know when you're 200 pounds it's just yeah it's a lot of weight to carry up when your buddy's a you know a world-class athlete and weighs one 150 you know yeah yep yep um, but you know, that's, I love, I love pushing and see what I can do. So it's, it's always fun to challenge myself, even if it's hyper embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see too many pictures of that though, up on, uh, I saw uh, <laughs> on Instagram. Come on. Or I was expecting you to say that there was a big pile of something on the ground next to you, but uh, no, <laughs> no, not no, quite. I, no, I, I, uh, for some reason I don't throw up. I've had yeah. people try and I just, not that I, I don't know, my body just doesn't do it. So uh, yeah. I'm lucky okay. to respect. <laughs> all right well i'll let you go christian thank you so much for being on is there any parting thoughts or any parting words for that uh you know as part of your your message that you share anything you could add there no boy i, don't, I mean i don't have any kind of mantras i always tell people but um <laughs> you know i did i did just finish, finish reading this book called the comfort crisis and um i, I posted a picture of it and i just said wow yeah. this is this was kind of everything i've ever felt and believed uh Put okay. more eloquently 
with a bunch of science behind it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my perspective anymore is that when people ask, you know, oh, what should I be doing? I just think our world's too comfortable. I think, I think yeah. people need to be okay with taking risks and pushing themselves further than they think they can, because most times it's just the mind coming in the way of, of what you can really accomplish, whether that's business or physical mm-hmm. fitness or, or whatever it is. Um, so I always just tell people, Hey, you, you really have way more inside you than you think. Um, mm-hmm. But you can't access it unless it becomes habitual and it becomes something that you really make as your mantra and you, you work at it every day. You know, yeah. um, I'm really big on getting outside comfort zones. And um, yeah, I, I used to draw these two lines. One was a comfort zone and the other was opportunity. And then I'd have the next slide when I do talks. <laughs> it was the same two lines, they're just bigger. And the point was yeah. the bigger your comfort zone, the bigger your opportunity. And um, yeah. you know, if you, if you can't walk a mile, that really limits what you can do in life. And if, if you're afraid to talk in front of a small group, that really limits what you can do business, you know? So sure. um, I just think you've always got to live on the edge of your comfort zone and, and continue to push and, and to grow. And that's, that's where life is. So yeah, that would I'm be actually my... reading, I know it's an older book, but it's rich, rich dad, poor dad, if you've ever mm-hmm. read that one. And yeah. And a lot of what he says is exactly the same as that is if you're not afraid to take that occasional risk, then, or if you're not, if you're not, Willing. if you're too afraid to, to take that occasional risk and, and or live that with a certain amount of risk in your life, then are you really living at all? I mean, and I think you're absolutely right that that's a, a way a lot of people go through their day-to-day lives is just they get too comfortable and yeah. and complacent. And, and that's yeah. where you see a lot of the issues crop up, especially with their kids and that kind of thing too, is, is the kids are looking for so much more than they're getting today too, I think. Right, so, right. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you. Yep, yep. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to everything with Uncharted. All right. Thanks, Tony. I'll see you.